everything fixed up here. <laughs> Turn in your Bibles this morning to Jonah chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. I'll give you just a minute to get there. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. This was his recommission. He didn't do too well with the first one. <clears throat> Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach its message that I tell you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey to an extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day of the day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloths from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne and laid aside his robe and covered himself with sackcloth and set in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and the nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let them, but let the man and beast be covered with sackcloths and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the, his, the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then it says that God saw their works and turned from their evil way and God relented from the disaster he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Matthew chapter 12. I'm going to have to find it first. Takes a minute. Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 38. Now, Jesus is having a little exchange of words with the, some of the Pharisees, scribes and Pharisees. And uh, the scripture, the verse 38 then says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to him, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And no sign will be given except that of the prophet Jonah. For Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish. So will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it. Because they repent at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. And yes, there was. 
and you pardon me a little bit this morning having problems with these glasses. Got a new pair coming, but right now I'm still having trouble with small print. <laughs> so Jesus came into the world to seek and save the lost, and rarely did he ever lose patience with anyone or any crowd, but here in this verse we just read from Matthew's gospel, his rebuke was well deserved. Jonah's ministry and Nineveh's repentance should have convicted the Jews of that day. Moreover, they should have taken to heart the message of Jesus, but instead they crucified him. What would Jesus have to say to the men of our day if he were here once again in the flesh? And notice also that Nineveh is a, repent, is a reproach to us as well as the men of Nineveh. They were, the men of Nineveh repented and turned to God, though their calls to repentance were not many. As we look around us, we can't help but notice that many hear the gospel. Many are warned and called many times. And yet they do not repent and believe. It is a fact that we live in a world now that is no longer Christian. We no longer can come together and agree on one religion. We got people more atheists than ever before in our history of our nation. Our people of our day are called very, very many, many times. They have many, many privileges and chances to accept the gospel. And Nineveh enjoyed no such privilege. As the old-time preacher would say, they were in heathen darkness. And it just very much seems like our country is there as well. That area... Where Nineveh is, is, is today is the problem is Islam. Back in their day, it was idols. They worshipped idols. In either case, they were without the true God, his mercy, and his grace. And they were producing one generation right after another that was absolutely lost and hell-bound. That is one thing that... that the Lord, it just seems to me that he always uh, seems to step in when a, a nation or a country gets to the point that they're so bad that they're sending more people to hell than they are to heaven. If he, he takes a, a hand in the affairs of man sometimes, and sometimes it's not pleasant. History records for us that the Ninevites were very warlike and extremely cruel people. They moved in. They moved in due time and to invade Israel, that is the ten northern tribes, and carry them away into captivity. The fact that Jonah was aware of this revealed to us the reason why Jonah was reluctant to go and preach to them. He absolutely didn't want to go. Nineveh was in heathen darkness, and Jonah wanted them to stay that way. If he had his choice, he would have preferred for Nineveh to be destroyed in 40 days. 
and they certainly had no long history of prophets and people preaching the gospel to them or repentance to them. Nobody to reveal God's way as did Israel and Judah. So their calls to repentance were not many. As prophets go, Jonah wasn't what anyone would would call a loving and affectionate. The, the truth is, I've lost myself here. Pardon me just a minute. Let me get found. The truth is, Jonah hated the Ninevites and hated his call to preach to them and was even angry with God and would have rather have been 2,000 miles the other way in Tarshish. It suited him well that they were hellbound. Nineveh heard that prophet only once, and it was an open-air sermon. It was very short, very monotonous, yet 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. How would you like to hear that in our days, somebody going repeating that constantly, drumming it into your ears? I'm afraid that we'd get tired of it. So he repeated it over and over. I believe that he was uh, hoping that they would tire of the message and throw him out of the country. He uh, liked nothing better than, than to have an armed escort to take him to the border and, and throw him out. And then he could say to God, see there, they didn't want to listen to what I had to say anyway. You can go ahead and overthrow the place. So Nineveh heard nothing from Jonah to enlighten them, nothing of God's love, nothing about his God's mercy and grace, nothing about forgiveness, just a thundering. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That only pointed to God's law and judgment and nothing else. On the face of it, it's a wonder that the Ninevites found Jonah's message acceptable. And point number two this morning, Jonah's message was not encouraging. There was no promise of a pardon in it. They heard nothing of how God's for, of how God forgives sin. They heard nothing about justification by faith. They heard nothing about a loving God of Israel. All they heard was law and judgment. Jonah nowhere mentions repentance. He held out no real hope to those who needed to repent. The, pre the preaching of repentance to a people like the Ninevites was distasteful and unsettling to Jonah. His attitude was, if I preach, they just pre preach it good. My, if, my, if I preach that, they just might really repent. As one old-time preacher said, the, the plow of conviction was never driven very deep into the human soul. As a prophet, Jonah knew that the prodigal soul 
must return to God. The rebel must submit. The sinner must repent before he's restored to God. Yet he spoke not a word of repentance. Jesus said, which of you convinces me of, convinces me of sin? And the answer is no one, for Jesus was and is sinless. But the rest of us, we all need repentance, each and every one of us. In Luke chapter 24, when Jesus was about to ascend to heaven, he commanded that the repentance and remission that repentance and remission of sins be preached to all nations. Repentance may be a bitter pill for a, a sin-sick generation, but the necessary of spiritual healing is to come. Jonah's message foretold a crushing in a final doom for Nineveh. Nineveh shall be overthrown. This message began and ended with a threat. I believe that Jonah was hoping and praying for, the Nineveh, for Nineveh to fall and good riddance to bad rubbish. Jonah's message pointed to a speedy day, yet 40 days. You can be very sure that Jonah got himself a stick, a pocket knife, and he started making notches on the stick just to count off them 40 days so he wouldn't miss it. To Jonah's dismay, the Ninevites heard the message. They repented, acted upon it, and found deliverance. In Jonah chapter 4, verse 1, we find it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he became angry. He did, in fact, have a carnal fit like an eight-year-old. In the days of Jesus, most who heard him were highly favored. But unlike Nineveh, they did not repent. Well, how would you like to hear a message from Jesus? Wouldn't that be something interesting? Now, and these people were, were really very privileged to hear the gospel from, from the mouth of the Lord. And unlike Nineveh, they did not repent. And what about the men of our day? A Bible can be bought everywhere. There's numerous churches. The gospel can be heard on radio and television. And Christians share Christ with those around them, yet few repent and believe. How much better off will those people be? How much better off will they, those of an in, in judgment than in the judgment than they? That is the men of our day that refused Christ. And Jonah himself was uh, no helper to their cope. He was not a loving and tender and compassionate pastor looking to gather his lost sheep. He liked the role of a predatory wolf better. He disliked the ministry of which he was called. 
and coldly and harshly went about it. Isn't it amazing that the worse he became, the more they repented. He shared no word of sympathy or love, for he had none in his heart. He was nothing at all like Jesus who loved us all and died for us. Jonah offered no prayers to God for Ninevites. If anything, he prayed against them. And the more they prayed, he prayed against them, the more they repented. These people heard his message, heard the warning, and turned to God. And just not any God, but the God of Israel and our God, the one you and I believe in. This should convict the men of our day, for no two persons could be more unlike than Jonah and Jesus. Jonah, hard, harsh, bitter, and disappointed by his own ministry. And Jesus, loving, kind, and compassionate. Indeed, a greater and a better one more, and more tender than Jonah is and was here. And by the way, he promised to never leave us and forsake us when we come to the Lord. So he is with us. And next this morning, the the hope that was held out to the Ninevites was slender. It was no more than who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away his fierce anger and so that we may not perish. You know, we could come to that one day too. We've been a privileged nation. We've been... Uh, in lots of foreign wars and, and been very successful. But uh, hope that record holds, and I hope we don't have a war of any kind. The Ninevites had no revelation of a true God or his character, yet they somehow instinctively knew that God was not just some kind of impersonal power. They sensed that he was a being whom they could trust love and praise. They must have sensed that he was immoral and, and kind. And how do we know that? Because they repented and turned to him. They knew nothing of an atoning sacrifice that someday Christ would come and die for their sins on a cross. They had received no invitation to seek the Lord nor a command to repent, yet they did both. Their argument was mainly negative. Nothing was said against their repentance, so they uh, figured they could be no worse off for it. The positive argument was slender. They took the message of the prophet as a warning, and a warning implies a degree of mercy. So they said, who can tell? And they repented. You know, there's a lesson there for us in this country. I just, uh, I just have a real problem with the with the more the spiritual state of our nation. I really do. And it, you, 
used to, you see more people in, in churches and you see more young people. When we, when we, our young people finish high school here, they, they leave, most of them. We're privileged to have a few that stick around, but it uh, makes little churches like yours, like West Acres and Barton Baptist, it, we're struggling churches. And I don't see any end to it. Uh, but somehow or another, we've got to carry out the Great Commission. We uh, somehow forgot the word to get the word out to people that the Lord loves them and they need to be saved. And a lot of people don't, they, they just don't like to hear the fact that they are, are they're, you know, they're a sinner. I, I can remember when I was a, lost as a goose and I didn't come to the, to the Lord until I was 40. And uh, somebody told me I was a sinner and I didn't like it at all. And I thought to myself, well, I'm no more of a sinner than he is. But uh, truth of the matter was, <laughs> I was no prize. But I did finally come to the Lord, and I praise the Lord for that. And it was a, a really, really spiritual and exciting experience for me to experience the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And somehow or another, we got to learn how to share that with others. And who can tell? They too may repent. The truth is, we have more, more hope than this. We have the gospel. And this is kind of a gospel in a nutshell. It's, it's something I, I liked from Romans chapter 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access, access by faith into grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces per perseverance and perseverance character and character hope and hope does not disappoint because the, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who gives, gives it to us for when we were still without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly and that, that right there is one of the most wonderful sentences to me in the, in the Bible is when we were without hope. We, we were not even considering anything about becoming a Christian, but the Lord looked forward in time, down through time, to see that, that we would need to be saved and went to the cross voluntarily. Nobody made him go. He could have called 10,000 angels and didn't. He went through with the cross. Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man one will die. Yet perhaps a good man someone might die. But God demonstrated his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having knew, 
having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more than having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. <clears throat> we have the gospel. Nineveh didn't. They didn't have much. But they had the good sense to repent and turn to the one true God. And that's what we're, our people need to do. We've also been given a warning. We, we know about hell. I don't know how much the Ninevites knew about hell, but it couldn't have been a whole lot if they didn't know the, about God. We also know about heaven's reward. And that is a very interesting thing to me. What's it going to be like? And we're told it's going to be wonderful, but, but how? What, what's going to be, well, we're going to be face to face with the Lord. Faith becomes sight at that time. And that's a, that will be a wonderful thing. Now, we've heard the call many times. Ours is not a slender hope. We need not be in heathen darkness. We have been encouraged over and over. The word of repentance and reconciliation has been shared with us. And Jesus, one much greater than Jonah, is still with us today. He'll never leave us or forsake us. We have to choose this day whom we'll serve. A lot of scripture in that, but I don't apologize for that. I don't, I don't think a lot of scripture hurts anybody. <clears throat> and uh, again, what do we do to, when our little churches are struggling like they are? Uh, there was a time when you could go out and preach on the streets, but I don't think you'd get away with that today. I think it's been tried at least locally a couple of times and it didn't work at all from what I heard. But somehow or another, we need to be able to witness to people, and I'm trying to figure that out, what to do, what to, do to make a little, a, little, a little church like this one and like Barton grow. And I haven't figured it out yet. And I'm, the key may be love, to love people into the church. But uh, even that can be misunderstood nowadays. I uh, am still praying about it, still thinking about it, and hopefully the Lord will reveal to me something that works. And it's not just me. There's a, a lot of folks around doing the same thing. I'm sure that many of y'all have, have thought about it as well. But let's close in prayer this morning. <clears throat> Lord, we just bow before you and we lift our love and our adoration to you. You and you alone are capable, are, are, are deserving of honor and praise. 
And Lord, we ask for wisdom. We pray, Lord, that you'd show us a way that we might fill this little church and Barton as well. We are down to a very few in both churches. We need your blessing, your help, and your wisdom. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.